From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. The Senate Judiciary Committee heard testimony from Christine Blasey Ford on September 27th. Ford has accused President Trump's pick for the Supreme Court, Brett Kavanaugh, of attempting to rape her in 1982, when both were high school students. Kavanaugh then addressed the panel, denying the allegations. Republican senators expressed sympathy for Kavanaugh, Democrats for Ford, and the hearing seemed merely to harden pre-existing views of Kavanaugh's guilt or innocence, leaving senators with a politically and morally perilous decision. A day later, the committee voted to send the nomination to the Senate floor. But Kavanaugh's confirmation remains an open question. One key senator, Arizona Republican Jeff Flake, requested additional investigation before a final vote. Here's what Flake had to say on September 28th. I can only say that I would be only comfortable moving forward on the floor. I'll move it out of committee, but I will only be comfortable moving on the floor until the FBI has done more investigation than they have already. Um, It may not take them a week. Uh, I, I understand that some of these witnesses may not want to discuss anything further. But I think we're, we owe them due diligence. My guest today is Stuart Taylor, Jr., who is a lawyer and a former Supreme Court reporter at The New York Times. He has also written extensively on the legal issues surrounding rape cases. Welcome, Stuart. Thank you for having me. Nice to be with you, Sean. So, Stuart, I think the perennial frustration in these cases is that they often seem to pit an allegation— against a denial with little other evidence. Do you think that's the case here? Yes and no. Not quite as emphatically yes as it would have been two days ago. Uh, My first reaction to all this, by the way, is I'm just sad. I'm so sad I feel sick. I'm sad for him. I'm sad for her. I'm mostly sad for his family. I'm sad for the country. Because whatever happened, it's a horrible process. And That said, I think that he said, she said, as often leaves you in doubt forever. I think we're in doubt forever, I am at least, about the Clarence Thomas and Eda Hill business. I tend to believe him more than I believe her, by the way, in that case. In this case, I tend to believe Dr. Ford more than I tend to believe the nominee. And the reason is that her testimony yesterday was very, very plausible, credible, sincere, as far as we could tell. Maybe she's just a good actor. But she was very, very good, so good, I might add, that as far as I know, no serious person alive has suggested that she just made it all up, that she's lying. Kavanaugh didn't suggest that. Whereas he, I've always had a favorable view of him, haven't known him really, uh, had a favorable view of him coming into this, um, but I thought his testimony was very disappointing. I thought he was evasive on a lot of things, like... Did you drink a lot? You know, a thousand different answers. He, if he just said, yes, I drank a lot, you know, maybe we could have moved on without the question having to been asked 50 more times. Uh, what about the yearbook stuff? And, you know, why are we asking about yearbook stuff? One reason we're asking about it is his answers were not plausible to the yearbook stuff, and I could go into that more. He's attacking the Clintons. 
in uh, his, his testimony, his anger. This whole two-week effort has been a calculated and orchestrated political hit fueled with apparent pent-up anger about President Trump and the 2016 election. I will not be intimidated into withdrawing from this process. I think it was appropriate for him to be angry. I think the Democrats have been trying to kill him for, not kill him, but, you know, when Democratic senators call him evil before it even starts, after a lifetime of admirable service, yeah, he's entitled to be angry. But I think he was a little bit too angry at the wrong people at the wrong times. When he threw it back in Senator Klobuchar's face, well, what, did you ever get blackout drunk? You're saying there's never been a case where you drank so much that you didn't remember what happened the night before or part of what happened. That's, you're asking about, yeah, blackout. I don't know, have you? I have no drinking problem, Judge. Yeah, nor do I. Okay. I mean, that was either unhinged or it was a conscious emulation of President Trump, and neither of those possibilities speaks well. Okay, we'll get back to the specifics of the testimony, but first I wanted to get your thoughts on a reasoning that we're seeing right now, which is that there's a great frustration among victims of sexual assault that perpetrators can get away with it so easily because it often boils down to he said, she said. So many now are saying, believe the women, and that's the solution. Is it one? No, I think that's a very dangerous attack on the presumption of innocence, which, although it's mainly a criminal justice thing, pervades our values that when people are accused of wrongdoing, they should be heard, you should be listening to them. You shouldn't just say, I believe the accuser, whether it's a woman or somebody else. And I happen to have co-authored two books that have shown me Lots and lots and lots of cases in which the woman was lying. Right. You, you wrote a very famous book about the Duke lacrosse case, of course, which had a, a similar uproar surrounding it. Yeah, and um, I'm not saying that all women are lying. I'm saying a lot of men lie and a lot of women lie. And when it comes to matters of sex, I think a lot of men and a lot of women lie, and you've got to look at particular evidence before you can reach a responsible opinion on such a case. The colleges of America have jumped into the believe the woman mindset, and as a result, dozens, maybe hundreds of innocent young men are being railroaded out of college. So that said, if we want to go beyond he said, she said, we need evidence. Could more be done to prove or disprove Christine Blasey Ford's allegation than the Senate has done. Yes, for sure. Now, I think a lot of the Democrats talking about FBI, FBI, FBI was a stalling tactic, frankly, because they'd like to run the clock out so that Trump can't get anybody in before maybe they win the Senate. But in this case, there are all kinds of questions where you could get a little better fix on who's telling the truth if you interviewed witnesses, interviewed Mark Judge, interviewed the two other people who she says were there. Now, we've seen their statements, and their statements, you know, don't support her, but an interview would do more, particularly for Judge, who has reasons to be self-protective. Uh, there are little details here, particularly if you investigate the other allegations against him. There are dozens of people who might have been witnesses. Who, those people should be interviewed, if possible. Who's going to interview them? Well, the FBI, for all of its faults, is probably the most professional organization we have available to do that. The committee staff... They do their best, but they're working for partisan senators. Every one of them is. 
Right. The committee staff has done some interviewing, but indeed it's tainted by the fact that they're they're seen as a tool of the majority and the minority has not participated in that. Yeah, fairly or unfairly. Now, the FBI, whatever else they are, are not a tool of either side in this matter. You're listening to CQ on Congress. I'm Sean Zeller. You can subscribe to this podcast on all your favorite podcast apps, including iTunes, Spotify, and NPR One. My guest today is Stuart Taylor Jr., and we're talking about yesterday's Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Back to you, Stuart. You said that Christine Blasey Ford's testimony was very credible. What specifically about it impressed you? Well, first, there was what we learned about her character. Nobody has suggested a plausible motive for her to lie. Women have motives to lie sometimes. They do lie sometimes. Uh, You always got to look for that. I think nobody pointed to a motive for her to lie. She was a fervent Democratic activist who was, you know, would have, you know, blown the world up to stop this guy from doing something about abortion. That'd be one thing. She didn't come across that way at all. She came across as a very serious person who didn't want to really get into this. Lots of little details, like when she first put this out and how she got sucked into going public by a leak, you know, all those bolster her credibility. The details that about that night that bring me here today are the ones I will never forget. They have been seared into my memory and have haunted me episodically as an adult. I was pushed onto the bed and Brett got on top of me. He began running his hands over my body and grinding into me. I believed he was going to rape me. I tried to yell for help. When I did, Brett put his hand over my mouth to stop me from yelling. This is what terrified me the most and has had the most lasting impact on my life. It was hard for me to breathe, and I thought that Brett was accidentally going to kill me. Brett's assault on me drastically altered my life. For a very long time, I was too afraid and ashamed to tell anyone these details. She can't remember the time, the, the place, and the fact that the other people she says were around uh, say they don't remember anything like this. Those are all items on the scales, but none of them weigh heavily against her credibility, in my view. Gotcha. Uh, the Republican senators ceded their questioning of Ford to a hired prosecutor. And what did you make of her questioning? I thought she was in an impossible position and did the best job she could. The fact that it was chopped up into five minutes, she'd get five minutes and then you'd have a Democrat off on another tack for five minutes, then she'd get five more minutes. You couldn't keep up a sustained uh, line of questioning and she was nibbling around the edges and never really got to the heart of things, but in fairness to her, there wasn't any obvious killer point she could have made. I think the point that I wished I'd seen explored is whether the therapist to whom Dr. Ford first divulged this during a counseling session Right, back in 2012. Yeah. I'd like to know more about that therapy session. And by the way, the notes have not been made public. I'd like to see that therapist on the stand because we have a history in this country of therapists planting false memories sometimes about sexual matters in, in, in the minds of people you know, we're, and we're all susceptible to having false memories planted. There's, you know, no, nobody's immune to that. There's a lot of science on that. So that's one thing I wish I'd seen explored. The reason I think they didn't was the Republicans were afraid 
that if they started pushing at the medical privilege that she has and said, we want to see that, uh, that they'd have gotten clobbered for that. But I'd like to have seen that. Right. Apparently, the, the therapist's notes did not mention Brett Kavanaugh, although Christine Blasey Ford says she had mentioned his name at the time. At right. Least we know that. I'd, I'd like to know whether... I'd like to know exactly everything the therapist remembers about how it came up, when it came up, who brought it up, what kinds of questions the therapist was asking, uh, and whether, you know, to get an idea, I, I doubt that it's true that this is a planted memory, but that's an area that hasn't been explored to my satisfaction. Now, what about Kavanaugh's testimony? He came out um, angry. He he really uh, seeded the fact that Democrats are not going to support his nomination and attacked them. Um, but he was also, at, at turns, emotional uh, when he was talking about his daughters and their, their effect of this on them and his memories of his father and how it came to be that he kept these calendars for so long, emulating his father. Um, do you think he helped himself or hurt himself? Well, I think a lot of the testimony you're referring to maybe helped him. It humanized him, and it gave a view of what torture he's been going through, what torture his wife and daughters have been going through. I, I don't see how, you know, I'm very affected by that. But I think his anger wasn't particularly well channeled. If he'd denounced Cory Booker to his face for calling me evil, right, uh, the New Jersey you know, senators I'd on say the panel. go for it. Tell Cory Booker that it's very hard to be polite to him after having been denounced as being evil, but I'm going to do my best, something like that. Instead, he's kind of snapping and, you know, going off in every direction at the same time. It's the Clinton's revenge. He's asking Senator Klobuchar whether she's ever been blackout drunk. And, you know, there was just a lot of it was very inappropriate, and some of it that came across as disingenuous. When he was asked about these little items of drinking too much, yearbook stuff, you know, did you have sexual illusions about some woman named Renata? Uh, none of his answers on that were very plausible. So Democratic senators focused, number one, on their demand for an FBI investigation. We've talked about that a little bit. But we, they also uh, focused on trying to demonstrate that Kavanaugh is or was a heavy drinker. And they brought up his yearbook page and references to drinking, uh, friends who said, he, who said he was a heavy drinker in high school and college. Was that effective? Um, I think it was for this reason. If the first time he was asked about that sort of thing, and it was on Fox News, really, in his interview, if he'd said, yes, I was a heavy drinker in high school and college. I, I, I drank too much a lot of times. And, but I'm telling you, I never got blackout drunk so that I wouldn't remember if I did something horrible while I was drunk. If he'd said that the first time, he wouldn't have had to been asked the same question another 50 times. Uh, which is what's happened, because each time he kind of danced around it, he never quite denied it, but he never quite admitted it, and that just kept the issue alive and made him look evasive. So there's been a lot of talk today with the Senate Judiciary Committee voting on the nomination to send it on to the Senate floor about what kind of evidentiary standard they should use, with Republicans uh, referencing the standard we all know from criminal cases, that the presumption of innocence, that he's innocent until proven guilty, and they're saying there isn't enough proof. Do you think that, I mean, what, what is the right standard here? Because it isn't a criminal case. I think the right standard is an in-between standard. I mean, I think when somebody is accused of a horrible crime, whether or not it's in a criminal proceeding, as he was, then he ought to have a presumption of innocence. But I don't think 
They should have to prove him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, for example, uh, or innocent beyond a reasonable doubt. I think, you know, every senator has to make up his mind, um, assuming that they're trying to get the right result as opposed to playing a partisan game. You know, do I believe him enough to let it go forward? And, you know, I think the variables include how serious is the accusation? How much does it bear on his fitness to be uh, on the Supreme Court? And, uh, you know, and, and how believable is he? How believable is she? I don't think you can reduce it to a formula. But I would think at the very least, when somebody's accused of a horrible crime, uh, you should, they should at least be given the burden of the given the presumption of innocence, meaning you should at least have to prove it's more probable than not that they're guilty. So that said, Stuart, I said at the outset that this the Senate is facing now a moral, uh, a morally and politically perilous decision. And w- what are the ramifications for the Supreme Court, for the Senate, for our country, if they confirm Brett Kavanaugh or if they don't confirm him? I regret to say I think the ramifications are very bad no matter what they do. I think we've crossed a line where the country's deeply damaged. If I had to vote on whether to let him go forward, I would have voted for him in a heartbeat a couple of weeks ago, even though I'm much less conservative than he is. I think today, if I had to vote, unless I learned more, I'd vote against him, mainly because she came across as telling the truth and he came across as evasive and insincere. Thank you, Stuart Taylor. Thank you. Appreciate it. I am Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast apps, including iTunes, Spotify, and NPR One. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall.